This is CliffCentral.com. Adopting a homeless pet brings all feelings of fuzziness to the heart. But is it always a match made in heaven? Welcome to Pause for Thought, brought to you by PetHeaven.ca.za, your one-stop online pet shop. Pet Heaven's scheduled deliveries will not only save you time and money, but will take all the hassle out of remembering to buy pet food. Go to PetHeaven.co.za now and sign up to the newsletter to get the best deals on a wide selection of toys, treats and accessories. Chat to Rachel Sylvester. She's the founder and director of Sidewalk Specials, who do a very, very special job in, in the community and in the world of pets and matching up people who are looking for, for pets and pets who are looking for people. Rachel, tell us a little bit about Sidewalk Specials and what makes you guys different to the other organizations like you. Um, I think what's different about Sidewalk Specials is that our main focus is to keep animals with their original owners. So we do a lot of work in townships with underprivileged people, helping them be better sort of pet parents. It's not always the case that, you know, they can care for their animals. So we do have certain animals that come back to Cape Town with us. Um, but within that, and, let, and instead of putting them into shelters and high-stress environments, we take them straight into foster. So we don't have a shelter. We don't have massive overheads and we don't have strung out dogs. We have foster homes, which are suited to different types of dogs, different ages. Um, and then we keep them in foster. And sometimes it's a cute puppy and it's healthy, you know, be in foster for a day or two. If we have a dog whose temperament we're not sure of, we keep them for a month or so to make sure they're safe before they go to adoption. Um, and that also means that the dog's immediately start learning their manners, start getting house trained, start learning that humans are kind. And we can really actually know the dog that you're adopting. So if you ask us a question, like when I used to um, volunteer for shelters and we'd be, people would ask, you know, how is this dog with cats? We don't know. How is this dog with other dogs? To be fair, we don't know because the dog's so strung out. How can you tell? So it means we can actually advise people on the dogs that, that would be good for them, which means we have a very, very low return rate for our adoptions. Um, and yeah, and people are always amazed at the good nature of our dogs. But it, again, it's because... They've received kindness and calmness and the chance to sort of rehabilitate themselves before adoption. Mm. Yeah, I think that's um, probably one of the main issues um, where I've volunteered before at physical shelters. Um, mm. My my job has been mainly to re-socialize the animals, especially yeah. if someone's coming in to see them and we know ahead of time to sit with them, calm them down because their initial exactly. reaction to seeing someone is to just jump around. And obviously exactly. then uh, the potential adoptive parent thinks that this is its general behavior. And, and I think, and it goes a step further as well. People think that's a rescue dog's behavior. And that's mm. the problem is rescue dogs get a stigma for being hard work and untrainable and all of the above. And, and it's just not the case. Yeah. It's just that they've spent possibly a year. I mean, some pro-life shelters, a dog will spend five years there. And the only interaction they will have is two short walks a day. And mm. the rest of the time, they're just jumping at glass, oh, trying man. to, you know, and it's, it's not the shelter's fault. They're obviously doing their best. Yeah. But that five years of a repeated behavior for a dog is very hard to untrain. And I'm sure, um, I'm sure being yeah. in a, in a, in a, um, a temporary home as well is 10 times better than being in a shelter when it comes to controlling diseases because those can just well, go on and it. on and never end. This is it. And it's also, you know, it means that we can rescue dogs in extremely bad conditions without endangering other dogs in the same shelter. 
So we have foster homes that have no animals. And if we have a dog that, you know, we suspect may have who you know, even distemper, you know, it, it's like we can actually give that animal a chance, give it vetting and give it. And it means we have, again, a very low euthanasia rate because unless the animal is beyond saving, we can fix them up. Um, and also for a lot of people, they, you know, they want to adopt, but they want to adopt the right dog for them. We say, well, come be a foster. You know, you might adopt, adopt your first dog. You might adopt dog number 45, but it means you get to know your dog before you adopt it. And in the meantime, you get to save some lives. So it kind of just works all the way around. Yeah. How how easily do these foster parents part with their temporary pets? Or or do you find that a lot of them <laughs> we, hang on to yeah, them? We have a few that are just so good at it. They like they know exactly why they're doing it. And they just, I mean, they're obviously like, it's a bit of a heart tear, but they get the happy update pics. They know they're going to good homes. Um, some of them, you know, even when they sign up to foster, like they know and we know it's going to be what we term a foster fail and they will adopt. But <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's like, we are happy to play that game. Be like, sure, you're fostering. Sure you are. Oh. Um, <laughs> so we don't mind, you know, it's like we know. Um, and also we have some fosters that are just great with, you know, fixing mange. They just know mange. And we have all the dogs mainly coming with mange. They know what they're doing. We have other like fosters that just love puppies. And we have fosters that just, you know, are great with dogs that maybe have slight aggression issues. And Mm. we use a behaviorist that goes to the foster homes, assesses the dogs. And even when they're adopted, you know, if the the adoptee is like struggling with certain issues, we'll send our behaviorist through again and give them the skills to help that dog be the best version of itself. So, um, so in yeah. this case, not not only is a home check before adoption an an acceptable request, it's um it's it goes even beyond that, where you where you see afterwards yeah. how the animal is adapting and how the the new parents are adapting. Absolutely. I mean, we keep like certain, like I say, certain dogs. It's like it's a cute puppy and it's going to home and it's fine. You know, it's quite a smooth little process there. Certain dogs, it, we will well for a start, we cover the vet bill until they're healthy. So even if they're okay. adopted, that, that adopting family will agree to come do all the vet visits with our vet. So we can make sure that the dog is healthy before it goes off into its life. Right. Um, so And then also a lot of our adoptions happen because we make videos of the rescue of the dog and beforehand. And to say thank you to people who donate towards us, we always make sure we go and we film the happy update for them so they can see yeah. where the donations have gone. Yeah. Um, and it just changes the culture of this belief two years ago, three years ago, that if a dog looked like, you know, starved, mangy, sick, that it, somehow it would be badly behaved and it would be unsociable and you can never live with other dogs. And, and it's just changed all those beliefs because people see the dog perfectly happy in its family life with children, with cats, with dogs, living its life. And it kind of just reiterates to people, look, it's not the dog's fault. The dog just happened to have been born into a bad circumstance. Mm. Um, and obviously for... Um <laughs> I, I can hear you've got someone in the background. I'm sure you're never short of, of little voices in the background. <laughs> we've got we've got little feet pattering around the noisy ones I've put away. Oh, um, so obviously online platforms are key for you um, yes. because people aren't going to wake up on a Saturday morning and go and visit a shelter and pick a pet. No, but we I mean we do do a monthly adoption day where if people just want to come and meet the animals they are that we have up for adoption, they come to Rangersitz Market and do that. Um, but likewise, if people want to meet the animals, they can go to the foster homes and meet them. Or some of them just see the video and they're like, that's the dog for me. And uh, in your experience, you know, we, we seem to think that any anim- animal rescue organization is doing a kind thing, doing a good thing, trying to do the best they can do. But are there organizations that you should perhaps consider not adopting from? 
You know, I wouldn't really want to say that. I think like I've experienced a lot of different shelters, a lot of different people with a lot of different beliefs on how rescue should be done. And one thing that does combine them all is a good heart and good intentions. Mm. I really wouldn't say that. I'd say, you know what, at the end of the day, that dog didn't choose which rescue rescued it. And if the dog speaks to you, then go for it. If if you're, you know, not 100% sure of their vetting procedure, for example, then take it to your own vet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and I think that's it's kind of and I think people are more and more like like this. if you're adopting, you are taking responsibility for the animals. So, you know, for us, we're like we we follow our dogs and we follow the vetting. But we aren't the SPCA. You know, we don't have to take every dog we get asked to take. Right. right. That allows us the ability to do that. You know, some shelters like SPCA is not allowed to turn a dog away and, and that puts a pressure on them. Yeah. You can't imagine. So, you know, when people go and bash a shelter. It's like, you know, don't bash the shelter. It's not the shelter's fault. It's the society, the throwaway culture with pets. Mm. You know, the problem, the townships, the fact there isn't free sterilizations there. Like the problem is so deep rooted. I really don't think you can blame the shelter. And that's whether they're succeeding or failing. You can't blame the shelter. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's the dog getting a new home. And, and that's what it's about or, or the cat. Exactly. And you will love that dog. and You will mm. love that cat. And, you know, it's like ultimately you won't care which shelter it came from. You will love the animal and the animal will love you. And that's the relationship and that's what you're aiming for. Do you sometimes see potential um, parents of of new animals and think, I know the perfect dog for that person. I just know. Oh, yeah, 100%. And it's, this is what, what we will do is if we know a foster and we know what makes them tick and we get that dog, that dog will go there. You know, it's yeah. kind of, you know, it's kind of like if, if you, and we also say to people, you know, let us know what you're looking for. Um, because if we come across it, you know, we can, we can hook you up with that. If you need a small breed dog and some people come like, oh, really sorry, I need, it needs to be small. You know, my apartment's small. Right. And they're, they're so panicked that they can't take anything that walks through the door. And it's like, you know what? That's fine. More and more in rescue, people are almost shopping like they used to do with breeders. Yeah. You know, they know the breed they want and they know the size they want and they know the sex they want, they know the age they want and they know that it will be in a rescue somewhere and it will because there are so many dogs that are homeless. And, you know, we tend to end up with more older homeless animals than we do puppies a lot of the time who who don't get adopted because of their age and they tend to be in in the system um, for a much yeah. longer time. When When is it the right thing to do to adopt a dog that's already older? Oh, I would recommend everybody do that. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's really just because it's like people are always um, – you know they want a certain dog they want certain characteristics and it's kind of like with an older dog if it is peaceful and gentle it's like that is you are adopting you know what you're getting yeah with a puppy you know it's going to be how you raise it and you know are you 100 percent sure that it's going to be peaceful and gentle and all of this stuff are you going to train it well enough are you you don't know so it's kind of like with an older dog you know what you're getting yeah and also they know they've been rescued which is so nice you know mm-hmm. they're completely <laughs> grateful for every meal for every bed you give them for every walk and it's like it's actually such a heartening experience um so for me like if i'm going through like a shelter anything i'm looking for the old dogs i think they're the best they're just they're they're heartbreakingly lovely and grateful so and also i always think you know puppies get adopted easier so you know if you have got the heart for it then go for it yeah you kind of want to i've always wanted to walk in and say you know, which dog hasn't been adopted for the longest? Who's been here for the longest exactly. time? I'll take that uh-huh. one. <laughs> exactly. Who, who's the least adoptable? Let yeah. me take that one. And I normally find, though, that for us, older dogs are not easy to rehome, but they're rehomeable. Puppies are rehomeable. 
it's the mid section, the two year olds, the one year olds mm -hmm. that aren't old yet. So they've got energy and they aren't puppies. So they're not cute enough that and especially Afrikaners is like they those guys struggle so much. Right. And it's like so for me, it's kind of like, you know, you can go, hey, I want a super old dog. Hey, I want a puppy. But it's like if you can say, listen, give me a two year old, give me a three year old, that sort of generic mid land that nobody is interested in. It's like they those are the dogs that need it almost the most. And and do you come across situations where someone's adopted an animal and they just can't get it right? And what do you do in that in that situation where they, it's just not a match made in heaven? Um, we well, all of our adoption forms have that if you no longer want the animal, the animal must come back to us. We put it back into foster. We re-network for a new home. First, we'll say to them, you know, would you like our behaviourist to come through and try and make it work with you? And you know, most will say yes, please. And most of the time, it is fixable because you'll find generally. If there's an issue, like 90% of the time is the human, not the dog. That's getting something wrong or not understanding yeah. something. Or it could be a home condition where um, there may be children, uh, you know, that animals sometimes don't get on with children or perhaps you they've know, got other pets no, at home. Normally it's not not even that. Normally it's just, you know, separation anxiety. You know, mm. the dog now loves you so much it doesn't want you to go to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, normally, like, even animals that are rehabs in your home with your children, your children are kind to the animal will love your children. Um, so normally it is just literally separation anxiety or suddenly the dog has gone from being sick to healthy and now has all the energy in the world and is bouncing off the walls. And that, that person thought they were adopting a chilled, chill by the fire dog. And now they're suddenly adopting, I want to go for a hike dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and it's like, and so in that case, we can be like, yes, we can rehome that dog to a place where they, they do hike. That's fine. I mean, that's not the end of the world. And we can find an old dog for you. That is what you wanted. So and we always say to people, you know, you're not, if the dog comes back to us, they're not being dumped into a shelter for another five years. You know, they're going into a foster home. We are going to push for them to be roamed ASAP. So don't feel horrendous about it and mm. don't be put off rescuing again. And let's just talk a little bit more about the very important part of what you do, um, which is going into um, areas where, you know, people may not be able to afford sterilizations, um, vaccinations, and perhaps don't really know how to care for an animal, but really want to keep the pet. Um, that part of your work is, is just phenomenal. And, Thank you. Um, it's obviously the least paid <laughs> and <laughs> where you need the most money. It, it is, you know, but it's with, we do, we call them steri drives. It's where we take like 10 vets plus and about 40 volunteers. We take over a local hall and we do mass sterilizations for the community. Um, and we are very blessed with the people that follow us. We, we have a lot of support. Initially, the first time we did it, people were obviously like, what is this? I don't understand why this is important. But the more and more we sort of film and show, you know, how pets can live great lives in those communities, they just need basic things. They need sterilization. So the family has one dog, not 15. Um, you know, they need dewormers. They need to flee. They need to be inoculated so they don't catch horrible diseases. And it breaks the breeding cycle. It stops the families going through dog after dog after dog because the dogs don't survive. Um, they have one dog who's healthy. They're proud of that dog. And that dog will live, you know, seven to ten years. So they don't need a puppy for that time. And it's kind of like in most of the rescues are inundated with puppies and, and rescue dogs because of the overbreeding in townships and informal settlements. Mm. So if you can if you can cut that off and if you can stop that happening, it actually lets the rescues breathe. And have extra resources themselves to carry on helping those dogs. Right. And so it's kind of like, I think it is the most important thing we do. Mm -hmm. um, even 
above and beyond getting dogs adopted, I think, is a thousand times more important. Yeah. And like you say, it's a thousand times more expensive and a thousand times more exhausting. Yeah. Um, but I think it also makes a bond with that community. You know, it's kind of like there's something about a dog that all barriers come down. And it's kind of like you're dealing with their dog, so they're happy to deal with you. you you're loving on their dog, so they're happy to accept you. And, you know, people are always like, isn't it dangerous going through there? And I'm like, I find it the most uplifting experience. I would always rather be in the townships, in the informal settlements, helping those dogs than, you know, having a cappuccino in Seapoint. Yeah. It's like, it's just it's the most vibrant, amazing people and so happy to have help for their dog. Well, we're eternally grateful for what you do. And thank, thank you so much for chatting to us, Rachel. Um, and yeah, onwards and upwards and, and all the thank best. You. Thank that, you so much, Ed. Thank you for talking to us. That's Rachel Sylvester, who's the founder and director of Sidewalk Specials. <music> to finish off, frequently asked questions about pets with trainer and behaviorist Kathy Clayton. How do you introduce dogs to babies? This is a process that needs to be done even before uh, a baby is born. There's a whole process getting the, the dog used to that some things are, are going to change in the life. So you get it used to prams and maybe get a doll and things like that. And when the baby comes, you very calmly let the dog come in, let it sniff it, don't lick or anything like that. But it's a gentle introduction. And I would say to anybody who's having a baby, please get the advice of a behaviorist beforehand on what to do when the baby comes. Why does my cat purr all the time? Well, purring is a sign that the cat is happy. Um, so we've got all this purring and it's fun and they rub themselves against you. And so it is a happy sign. However, I have to say, some cats purr when they're in pain. So have a look. Check it out. Is the cat being happy or is the cat actually in pain? Thanks for listening to this episode of Pause for Thought, brought to you by PetHeaven.co.za. Never run out of pet food again with Pet Heaven's super convenient scheduled deliveries. Shop today and get 20% off your first scheduled delivery of premium pet products to your door. This is CliffCentral.com.